Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week we are joined by Jessica from Get Your Binge On. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. We've been like talking mutually through Instagram for, it feels like forever now. Um, And so it's just awesome to finally get to meet you face to face. I know. I feel like we're so much alike and we talk through Instagram story chats and it's, it's very glad, very glad we're finally doing this and doing an episode together. Definitely. And I just love that. Like I've met so many new people through podcasting Mm -hmm. that you know I feel like I have just like this little community of podcasters and we all like to talk about movies so what more could you ask and tv too because you do tv as well tv yeah I know I I love this community and it's nice to know there's people out there in the world in different states and time zones that feel the same way that you do about things it's really great definitely Um, Well, so for today, uh, if you haven't already seen or heard, we are going to be talking about Atonement. It was released in 2007. I know we are both very excited to talk about this movie. Um, It was directed by Joe Wright, and it is based on a book by Ian McEwan, which released in 2001. So the movie followed pretty shortly after. Um, just for some context, if hopefully everybody who is listening has seen this movie, otherwise we're about to spoil everything. Um, so proceed at your own risk. (laughs) And there are some spoilers in this movie, like major, major spoilers, um, that we're going to get to. So, yeah. If you've not watched it, please stop because (laughs) man, the spoilers, the twists, they're everything. Yeah. Yeah. You need to experience this firsthand. And go through what I went through watching this through the first time. And then you can come back and listen to us break down everything. Um, yeah. But the uh, the IMDb description for this movie is a 13-year-old fledgling writer, Bryony Tallis, irrevocably changes the course of several lives when she accuses her older sister's lover of a crime he did not commit. Bum, bum, bum. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Rough. It's, it's Rough. heavy. It is. So um, I know why I decided to choose this this movie, but why the flick did you pick this movie? I think it goes back to us talking and discussing like what's some films that you've not seen. And also for me, this film holds like a huge impact in my life. I mean, I remember how old I was, where I was when I watched it. It's, it's just, and I feel like it's timeless, even, what is it, like 15 years later? Mm-hmm. For, I don't yeah. know, six, it's, it's been a long time, and it still holds up to this day. So, to me, that's why I chose it, and I was so excited when you said you hadn't seen it, and... That's very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was like, I think one of our Instagram conversations, I was like trying to go back yeah. and see like what prompted it. But all I found was you were like, you haven't seen atonement. And I was like, no. Um, and so like you really convinced me to see this movie. So when you put it on your list, I was like, let's, let's do it. I feel like I'm missing out by having not seen this movie. 
Um, and I really didn't know much about it other than it's a love story. It's got James McAvoy and Kiara Knightley. And I know, uh, great yeah. duo. Um, yeah, I knew it was nominated for a ton of awards. And mm-hmm. lately, um, our last few episodes have been very in like the horror thriller side. So I felt like it'd be right. a fun pace. The, a fun change of pace to go more historic romance but also it's very sad <laughs> it is very sad but exactly I think this movie is very like um suspenseful love story dr- drama but it's also like a World War II mm. um historical fiction and it's it's so there's just so many layers to it and I think everything you just said I think it's a great film to discuss yeah I- I know, like I just said, it was written by a book. I kind of want to read the book now because I really do oh. love World War II. Have you read the book? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, I'm so glad. That I have read. it upstairs. I almost grabbed it so I could show everybody. I, it's a fantastic book. I mean, it's wonderful. It's been several years. I read it, obviously, back in high school, but it makes the film so much richer. Oh. And you would, I think you would love it. I absolutely yeah. think you would love it. I do really love World War II stories, and if you have, like, a romance tied to it as well, like, I'm totally down. I love to read those type of books, Um, and I'm so glad that you've read the book, because I tried to, like, look at comparisons of, like, book to movie, and so I wrote some notes down, but now I'm glad that you have, like, actual context that you can provide um, for how it's similar or different and all of that. Um, so you mentioned you, did you see this when it first came out in 2007? I did. What were some I of guess like, I was, okay. I, I guess I was like 15 at the time. And what was, what were you about to say? Oh, just what were your reactions after seeing it? I, I know I saw it in theaters with my mom and I, I mean, I cried for at least 10 minutes. It was very riveting. I'll never forget just the, the like not expecting the ending and also just being completely in awe of, of the cinematography and how the story is told and like the score is just oh, mind blowing. Yeah. Like I even was so obsessed with this film that I, at the time I played piano and my mom bought me the score and I le- I learned how to play it on the piano. Like I was just so wrapped up in, in it. I could not do anything except think about this film I, it like I thought about it for days oh my God. after I watched it oh yeah. I bet yeah yeah like I'm still thinking about this movie <clears throat> after I watched it um I remember finishing it and being like distraught like I yeah. was like I did I thought I knew where it was going to go and how it was going to end like I could kind of see it but then it just went 10 times worse than I thought. Um, <laughs> just straight veered your mind and just took you into completely different places. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely. just breaks your heart. Oh my God. I mean, love yes. lost is one of like the hardest things to grasp in cinema. Like it's, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But then to just take this story of lies and just deception and like family, the family dynamic to it, yeah. like it just. It's wild. Yeah. This movie has so many layers, like you mentioned, on like the romance and the jealousy, but also like classism and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. misconceptions. And it's just like so complicated. Um, It is so complicated. 
I think they did some really creative things, though, with, like, timeline and perception. That was one of my favorite things about the movie is how they played with the going of, like, back and forth. Not even just, like, the big time jump that we get in the middle of the movie, but just even in the beginning on that one day. And you see, we'll yeah. talk about, like, the different perspectives that we see in these very small moments when they're at the house. Um, I thought that was done brilliantly. Me too. Like, you're watching it the first time and you're seeing it. I think from Cecilia's point of view the first time and then it clicks and then you see it from Bryony's point of view mm-hmm. and just even the smallest things, even her looking through the window and watching them at the fountain. And then even I, I always remembered, um, gosh, Rob is his name? Robbie. Yeah. Robbie. Uh, yeah. The way he flicks his, um, match or his lighter, and that clicks him back to a scene. It's just everything is everything is so detailed and mm-hmm. nothing in this film is there on accident. Everything was put in place like for a purpose. Yeah. And yeah, I mean that first half of the film. I feel like this film is chopped up into three yeah. segments kind of. And that first segment is just it's stunning and it's visually perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first half I struggle with like the first half or the last half is my favorite because obviously we get like a huge twist at the last half but the first half I just love how they tell the story and it's all over the course of one day but they do such a great way of telling it not even like linear I just love like the back and forth that they go with it Um, yeah same I also have a lot of complex feelings about Bryony, um, which hopefully, like, I'll figure out how I feel at the end of this. I still don't know <laughs> where I land. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, in the book and then in the story, finding the perfect characters to play her, she becomes, you know, at the beginning, she's playful and she doesn't really know what she saw, but then you know, the middle part, she's resentful as she feels horrible, but she's trying to correct what happened. It's Mm -hmm. you yearn for her in different ways. Yeah. You know, like at the beginning, you, you sympathize with her because we were once young girls and, and then in the middle, you, you completely, you carry everything that she's carrying, you know? And I think they did such a great job of like finding the perfect people too to play her. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Saoirse Ronan, just a little Saoirse Ronan was just like I so know. good like and she's an incredible actress like I god know. she was so good I think she was probably my favorite of the three that portrayed her mine too um yeah but she did an incredible and job it's just wild to see like that's where she started and look at her now oh my god, look at her what what she's done now yeah and she's so strong mm. in in that first half and and I personally think the first half of the film is my favorite and she carries it. I mean, she carried it so far. She got a supporting actress nom. I mean, she, it was just, she did so well. She did so well. Yeah, definitely. And then like James McAvoy and Keira Knightley have incredible chemistry on screen. Like, Oh my God. Damn. (laughs) It's so good. Unreal. Unreal. I think what I love too about the first half of the film is like, you don't even really know what the history is, between Robbie and Cecilia, but you just feel this like stifling pressure. It's like every time they're around each other and you're getting little snippets of their history, but you truly don't even know the culmination of their relationship until they're in the library. Right. You know? Yeah, definitely. And just all the stolen looks and like 
just the behavior and the like mood swings and shifts that they experience. It's like you would, their chemistry is so wonderful. And had, had that not, had that chemistry not been there, mm-hmm. it would have totally ruined it, you know? Oh yeah. Definitely. That totally makes the film so much better. Yeah. And it makes yeah. you want to root for them and hope for them. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what happens at the end, but yeah, like I really yeah. want to go into their romantic relationship a little bit more and kind of start there. Um, yeah. so we can, we get introduced to them. It's England, 1935. And already mentioned, like, this all takes place over one day, but it's also the hottest day of the year, it seems, (laughs) which also lends into the romance of it all. So, like, things, crazy things can happen in the hot summer days. (laughs) Everybody's just emotions are running rampant. Everyone's all wired up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Somebody asked at the dinner table, like, does the hot weather make you behave badly? And I was just like... Ooh. <laughs> it was like right is after it the, the brother library. that asked yeah. that and this yeah. right after the library scene isn't yeah. it yeah and they kind of are tousling with each other's fingers underneath right. the table yeah. yeah yeah they definitely have like these stolen moments and like mm-hmm. you mentioned they they give a little bit of backstory into their relationship but it really yeah there wasn't very much and it really felt like it didn't even nothing had even happened until the library scene like Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. I think had mentioned um it's been there for a few weeks you know what I mean and then you know the library scene happens but they for the most part I think in the beginning very very beginning it just seems like she doesn't really like Robbie at all she's trying to keep her distance from him um there's also like a dynamic between the two because Cecilia comes from this higher status uh Mm -hmm. family and Robbie is the housekeeper's son and so there's a difference there now he did Cecilia's father did pay for him to go to Cambridge and so they were both at Cambridge for like three years or something um yeah but she hardly she says she hardly spoke to him during that time yeah and I think they have a fight like right before the the um the scene at the water what is um, Um, the fountain the fountain the fountain the fountain and it's almost like he's saying he's gonna like pay her dad back or Mm -hmm. something they're fighting over things like that where he's trying to like be prideful and he wants to be respectful towards her family and she's like that's not what it's about at all like she she didn't mean it in that way and they're and they kind of give a little backstory into the college there but yeah and the scene with Cecilia and her brother where they're at the pool mm. and like he sees Robbie and sh- he's like, do you not talk to Robbie anymore? And she's like, no, no. It's very much like a, like you can tell that they are harboring like this love for each other and they just don't know how to go about it. Yeah. And, and it's all know. just culminating into this big, it's bubbling up. Like oh, and yeah. everyone's about to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the brother is like, did something happen between you two? And she goes, Oh, for God's sake. And then she like dives yeah. into the, dives into in. the pond so yeah. she can just avoid all conversation about it. Um, right. yeah. And like Robbie too, like you mentioned, he's, um, like, I don't, did you mention that he was prideful or not prideful? Yeah. I think he's just very, he just wants to be, he has pride in the fact that like, he wants to pay the family, yeah. but he doesn't want to owe anything to anyone. He feels like he needs to 
give back to her family and give back to her father. Yeah. And I think that also he very much knows like he is he they treat him as a friend and a comrade, but he knows like there is still a distinction of like you're not quite in our class, but we'll hang out with you. And so for him, I think he's trying to really prove to them and himself that like no I deserve like this and I deserve to be respected and everything Um, and that goes along with like wanting to pay her her father back but yeah there's a lot of different characters who have eyes for someone else in the movie like Celia um, Cecilia and Robbie obviously are like the main two but then you also have Bryony, who also harbors a crush, a very schoolgirl girl crush on Robbie. Um, mm-hmm. There's like that scene that we see. It's a flashback where she pretends to drown and he rescues her. And she's like, yeah, like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And like gives him kisses on the cheek and he gets real upset with her. Um, right. Basically calls her stupid girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in and, and that first little bit she's a writer we learn she's a writer and mm. he's always willing to read her plays and he he supports her in that way and of course she's a little girl who the sun shines out of Robbie and the fact that he would like want to listen to her plays and do those things she she misconstrues moments with mm. him in in believing that it's love and it just yeah she just she's completely uh, like enamored by him right and yeah like there was like that first part in the beginning when she's writing the play she goes up to him she's like will you come to the play and he says he doesn't think it's a good idea or something along those lines um and I wasn't quite sure like what he meant by that but then later on Bryony when she's older admits that she I think told him that she loved him and he well I don't know how he reacted but she said the feeling immediately disappeared as soon as, as soon as she said it out loud so it really yeah. wasn't like anything serious it was just that very much like young girl who is infatuated crush. with yeah a crush um an older guy and yeah it's just it's it's just something that I think she's grappling with still at 13 years old um for sure right Yeah, and I think Bryony is like this young girl who thinks she's older than she is. She Mm. thinks she knows everything. She thinks that she, like, even just the way she behaves on that day, it's like she sees one thing and she completely, and maybe it's just the imaginary mind that she has, but Mm. she just, she's so, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like how she interacts with the housekeepers and like how she tries to boss everyone around in the play, her cousins. Like she's just very, she acts older than she is and she's, I don't know, she's just, I'm trying to think of a word to describe her, but it's not coming to my head at this time. No, I, I totally get when that happens. Um, No, like mm-hmm. I, I agree. She's very much, she she wants she acts older than she is but she still in a lot of ways does not act like an adult at all in the situations yeah. and um the way she that she misconstrues different moments i think really lends to her still being very childish in a lot of sense and not fully understanding what's going on in those moments um 
there's an uh, going back to like other characters who also are in this we have paul who is played by benedict cumberbatch no oh paul oh that oh that's the friend that's the friend that's the chocolate friend the chocolate factory dude um i was like i did not know benedict cumberbatch was in this at all um yeah it's so weird because when he got really big like a couple years ago or probably like nine years ago at this time yeah i was like oh my gosh that's the guy from atonement you Uh, know yeah it was one of his like earlier films yeah and he plays it very well yeah even though he's Mm. yeah 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 definitely he even yeah that first day I, i just knew i did not like him just his interactions with every single person in that house yeah i didn't like him well he definitely acts like he's better than everyone else because he yeah. has a chocolate factory and like he knows how to make a chocolate drink with rum and crushed ice it's just like yeah i mean he's definitely pretentious for sure absolutely and then arrogant yeah yeah, yeah. and then when he went into the room with the twins and lola that's when i was like you, you would be creepy this is bad <laughs> yeah well, you know that there's a problem when you can't, like, be around people your own age. You mm. feel like you have to, you know, every scene he was with someone like Cecilia or with the brother, I can't remember his name, but it's like he would make a sarcastic comment and no one really cared to listen to him. Like, everybody just disregarded his comment. And I think him going into that room it's like he wanted to find someone who would indulge in his he wanted someone to like look at him with googly eyes and he starts talking about how he's going to ship off the chocolate bars to all the navy and the air force and it's just like ammo something i can't remember what it was called yeah yeah (laughs) I, i don't know what he called it either but when he I could Mm. tell that there was something going on with the cousin, and I was like, this is weird, right? Like, this is weird. Yeah. But he's kind of tossing it off to just kind of talking with her. He talks about lacking her slacks. Yeah. But then when he bites on the chocolate, kind of, and he's, like, telling her, like, you have to bite it. And I was just like, just... And I think he, like, bites his finger or something. Oh, yeah. It was... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's just the smallest thing, and it's just like, oh, it's like you, I, I don't know. He the, just exudes it's creepy. Yeah, and I mean that's a yeah. that's a uh, pro to like Benedict Cumberbatch for being able to portray that kind of a character. Yeah, but man, like, yeah, it like zooms in on his face, and he goes, "You have to bite it," and then like he is just like got this like look in his eye. It's real yeah. weird. Um, and then. Yeah, so he and Lola end up having, like, um, an interaction. Like, later on, we they are at the dinner table, and she's like... Oh, no, I think she... Before then, she told... Um, she told mm-hmm. Bryony that she had got Chinese burns on her arm. Mm-hmm. and I, From the twins. Yeah, and at the time, I was like, okay, that happened. But then when they're at the dinner table, mm-hmm. um, Bryony brings it up, and then Paul not prompted at all is like oh yeah that's how i got my war wound was from the twins and i was like oh okay hold up i know what's uh-huh. happening here um yeah i'm pretty yeah. sure he assaulted it, her yeah okay absolutely yeah 
I mean, he put her hands on, he put his hands on her. And I mean, if you're, if you look back at the scene with Bryony, I mean, her hair is just tousled like yeah. crazy. She's all red faced. And yeah, no, absolutely. That's what happened yeah, for it, sure. It totally lends context to when Lola goes into the room with Bryony when they're like having a chit chat about Robbie's letter. Mm-hmm. Um, yep she's like crying right before then and she's like i just want to go home and the twins are so mean and i'm like no you just experienced trauma and something bad happened to you and it just lends like so much more perspective once you watch it again um i don't know if you knew lola is juno temple from ted lasso yes okay yes because i I mean i no, and she's been in some other things too and i'll see her randomly and i'm like that's her i know I saw it on IMDb and I was like, what? I didn't even recognize her when I was watching it. And then I saw her. She looks completely different. She does. Yeah. I think it's she's been in something else, too. No. Yeah. The red hair for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, She was in something else recently, but I can't remember. But yeah, she's she's so talented. She's she's very her role is very short, really, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. Um, But yeah. She does a very good job Definitely. in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the library scene because I think that yeah. is a pivotal moment. And there's like so much that leads up to right before that that takes place. Um, and we talked about like there are these little moments where there's different glances between Robbie and Cecilia. There's the fountain scene where like she dives into the fountain and then emerges and they're just like staring at each other and she's in her slip yeah um and he's like got his fists clenched and so there's a lot of sexual tension there um and so yeah then Robbie decides to write this note um yeah yeah that it's supposed to be an apology note and you know like he's struggling to write it constantly and then he starts writing a very erotic letter (laughs) to her and I was just like ooh. That went in a very different direction than I thought it was going to. (laughs) Same. Yeah, I think, you know, that whole scene is extremely beautiful. There's like a, there's like a opera song playing and there's Mm -hmm. scenes of like her getting ready and she's putting makeup on and then there's scenes of him at home. And the first letter that he writes is like extremely beautiful and he's telling her all the things he loves about her and the way she makes him feel and all these things and then when he's writing the second version like even he laughs because it's like that word isn't probably said very often by the this class of people right yeah and and it's just hilarious but also like true (laughs) you know he he loves her and that's what he's trying to like explain and and I think it's also important to go back and and the scene where they're at the fountain and she what Bryony thinks she Mm. sees is Robbie yelling and screaming at his his her sister who's basically looking naked I mean she they did such a wonderful job of like picking the perfect outfit to like make her feel naked Mm -hmm. um and then but really he was trying to protect her and I think it's all so important because all those little moments are what leads us to that letter and like you know yeah yeah I don't know it's just 
even the scene with like the letter being printed and you hear I love all the music with the mm. with the typewriter yeah. sliding back. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, so the type perfect. Yeah, but. like right when Bryony's um like typing her play for the I think that's like when we hear the music and like mm-hmm. there's like the clacking of the typewriter. She finishes mm-hmm. her play. She's like walking away, but you still hear the clacking and it's yep. like to her marching and oh yep. it's just like so good. It's like Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like not to jump ahead, but like later they're doing the same clacking when the mom is banging the umbrella on the cop car. Yeah. And it just is so intense and it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's so good. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think the letter too, it's also just like what happens next when he sees Bryony and he's, he tells her, he's like, I thought I could deliver it myself, but I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. And I don't know. And the scene where he realizes what he did. Oh, my God. And it goes, it takes you all the way back, all the way back through the woods, and it takes you all the way back to his desk. And you're like, wait, oh, no. <laughs> he picked up the wrong one. <laughs> ah! I know, it's so bad. Yeah. Um, it's- I want to, really quick, I just want to say, when he was typing that letter, um, I was watching on my laptop, and my internet froze right as the he hit the period <laughs> button and it like I was in shock because I was like whoa that was intense and then my computer froze and I was just like apparently it was so hot my computer froze. <laughs> <laughs> on that word on it, that word it was like he wrote it and he put the period down it was mostly the little period circle so it wasn't like oh on that's the word. hilarious it was like the later half of the word and I was just like well <laughs> and then I was just that like, was too much happening? for your computer yeah, it's like going into overdrive um <laughs> but yeah like when you realize he put the letter in the uh, Ron letter in the envelope and he's just like Bryony and it's just like oh what can you even do at that it's point? gut-riching yeah. like the way that James says Bryony I mean yeah. it's so like uh it's like gutting it's it's like Please. And then, of course, you know, you know what she's going to do. She's already made up this idea in her head that he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And she, of course, pulls it right out and reads it. And Mm -hmm. oh, just sinking, sinking feeling deep inside. No, she's like, Lola, what's the worst word you can possibly imagine? (laughs) And I was like, oh, God. Oh, man. And then, yeah, like, yeah. now she thinks he's a sex maniac because she, like, literally calls him that. And yep. I guess they can't imagine when you're, like, you're a 13-year-old and you're reading that for the, right. like, and you're just, like, I mean, it would like, be Like, I want to, what does it say? Like, I want to kiss your, your sweet C word. And then, yeah. I want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it's something like, I want to kiss your sweet I want to ki- kiss your C word. I want to kiss your sweet c word i think is what he like says it twice (laughs) yeah he does he does Um, and i mean and then the guts of her to she doesn't even put it back in the envelope and she hands it she hands it to uh, cecilia yeah and i mean cecilia is instantly flushed Mm -hmm. you know i mean just yeah wow but at the same sense, though, she's also extremely, like, I don't know, like, um, feelings confirmed. Yeah. And, like, she just instantly feels 
this sigh of like, wow, Robbie feels the same way that I do, you know? Right. Yeah. And so I think that leads her into taking him into the library room yeah. where, she, where, you know, she's like, um, well, obviously he was like, this was not meant to be read out loud. And she goes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then they go mm-hmm. into the library room and that's when she admits that there's been feelings for weeks between the two of them. And um, admittedly, they d- both admit that they love each other and decide to yeah. have a romp in the library. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, and I mean, I was, you know, 15, 15 at the time. Like, I, well, she says in just the most beautiful way, Kira Knightley is so good at conveying things with just like a, just the smallest amount of emotion yeah. and She's just like, don't you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know exactly. And it's just like, oh, I just, I love them so much. <laughs> and yeah. then I'm just watching this moment of like, really? Is this really where you're going to do this? I know. But I then it like, works on. perfectly. Right. Like it's hot. It is. Like it's, it's extremely hot. Yes, absolutely. And I'm it's such like, a like lead up because the entire day has been a building of tension with it like being mm-hmm. hot outside, them interacting yeah. together, now this letter and like yeah. the feelings are skyrocketing. And so yeah, like definitely They're literally and- like they're like we're 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 doing this right here. Like yeah. I I it's like this feeling of like I have to have you right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it it's- just feels very it doesn't matter. And I remember like the scenes where like her shoe slips off <gasps> oh, and her like, shoe slips slides off. up his body, you yeah. know, and it's just so like perfect. And I don't know. He's so to be such like a, he's kind of, he's kind of just her height. Like he, but he's right. so commanding. And I feel like he really is just, he's just owner owning that room. I don't know. Yeah. It's such a beautiful tender slash hottest thing ever you know absolutely it's so it's so beautiful so, and like I was reading because I was like I wonder um so ever since I've watched Bridgerton I've learned about um uh-huh. uh, intimacy coordinators and how like the yeah like, they use intimacy yeah. coordinators to help on scenes like this and I was like man I I don't know if they had anything like that for this but um, I don't think what, they had those back then I don't think they did um either but from what I read Kira Knightley said it like for her this is still one of the best sex scenes that she's ever done on screen and the reason that partly why it was so great is because the director um choreographed every single moment so for them Mm -hmm. for her and james mcavoy they would feel very comfortable they knew like what they were supposed to do scene by scene um so that to me felt nice to hear um because i know that is that's so great for the actors i like i've heard like it can be difficult to know where to go in this kind of direction Mm -hmm. and so to have at least somebody you don't maybe not like a professional intimacy coordinator on set but still like having it be very choreographed and um i think is super important and kiara knightley actually said she'd like requested the same treatment in future movies like i want it to be choreographed so good for them good and good for her too and and i i really like joe Wright. i think he also did um pride and prejudice he did and i think kira knightley with kira and i wonder if maybe i wonder if maybe you know i think it's important you have like a strong relationship with your director and i think that's awesome i love that and i think from what i've heard from shows like outlander and peaky blinders and stuff i think 
it, it is important to literally talk about every single step of a sex, sex scene. Like, we're going to kiss at this time. I'm going to touch your leg at this time. Mm. And I think that's so great because look what they made and look how <sighs> great and beautiful it was. I know. And it felt damn so real and so perfect yeah yeah it did that's feel awesome. so real it i was like i'm like should i be here right now yeah. should i like go in the other room sorry i feel like i'm intruding but yeah it did feel very real but not and it, gratuitous yeah, kinda, right absolutely and i think it felt like kind of like we were peering in on them mm. at times too and yeah. i think when they like when Bryony does come in mm. and they kind of like come off and they slowly put yeah. themselves back together it's all just like a dance it's like I don't know it's just it's so perfect yeah I think it's so interesting that like the first really scene that we see them in that position is Bryony's perspective and for her yeah. when she comes across it she you know she's shining the flash or she I think she has a flashlight or something and you know she sees them on the wall and it does look very horrifying and it does um animalistic i would say and just haunting and so but then when you see what actually happened no it's like right. they're in the throes of passion it's a very passionate scene um but for Bryony, you know from what i read she like interpret this as him sexually assaulting her um absolutely which wasn't the case obviously but then for me they are like when she says Cecilia and they, they just like freeze. And I was like, they, I was like, maybe they, maybe they're thinking like, if we don't move, maybe she'll like go away. <laughs> um, yeah. But then they like descend and they like tidy up and then they just leave. Yeah. They don't even acknowledge her in the room, um, which I was really shocked by. They were just like, if we don't say anything, it's like it never happened, which right. to me would feel very traumatizing to, to Bryony. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it would have been really good if Cecilia had been like, I, I'm okay. Just anything. Say something. Yeah, just... I mean, and if anything, Robbie he clenches his fist again afterwards. Like he's so pent up, which obviously they just mm. had sex, yeah. but it's very, she's traumatized and then she gets nothing in return from either of them. Mm. And then she sees, she feels the tension and the frustration and it, it misleads her completely. Yeah. And yeah, she's left with her own thoughts. And absolutely. If I walked in and saw that at that age, that would be very traumatizing. Yeah. Very traumatizing. Oh, yeah. And especially so. in that time period where it's like sex is yeah. like unless if you're married, it's frowned upon and really like sex is treated like as procreation, not enjoyment. And so for her, right. I'm sure like that's something like very terrible and troubling to her. Um, right. But then I really lost sympathy for her <laughs> like a few minutes later because then the yeah. whole like instance of her lying because the twins disappear at one point and so they go on a search for the twins she's looking for them and she finds lola um who has mm -hmm. been attacked and uh, Bryony says i know who did it it was robbie because all of these things throughout the day have led mm -hmm. her to believe that robbie is a terrible terrible person and so lola's like are you sure i can't be for sure if that's... i can't be sh i can't be sure yeah. i saw him and Bryony's mm -hmm. like i saw him and i'm like no you did not and especially like no, later on when you when you see like she actually did see um she saw Who paul it really was yeah yeah 
Yep. Um. So yeah, this. Yeah, was I mean, awful. she. That is a moment of a judgment. That's a judgment she chose mm-hmm. to lie. Yeah, and she chose to put Robbie in the place of Paul, and you know. In that moment, she irrevocably says, I saw him. I saw him. I know I saw him. I saw him. I mean, we hear that word. We hear Mm. that set of words about 15 times. And, you know, we're going through the interview process and she pulls out the letter and everything is just spewed out and it's all lies. And I remember the scene where Cecilia's like, I mean, she's just got this smug look on her face. Like, you can't believe everything that Bryony says. Mm -hmm. Like, she's... I can't remember the exact word she of what says she she's like fancy says, but yes, yeah. yes. And it's just, it's like gut wrenching to think that she knew the truth, but see what's so interesting about the way they do the film is like, we don't know that for the longest time. I mean, we don't know for certain until later at the end of the film mm-hmm. that it was actually Paul because when it shows, um, Lolo, like, it, you can't see who's actually doing it. Right. Um, and so I thought that was a great way of, of telling the story. And, and even though we all are on Team Robbie over here, I mean, obviously, I did not think that he did it. Yeah. And then he ends up coming back with the twins. I know. He ends up being the person to find the twins. I know. And he's instantly, oh, just his face where he just knows something. He knows something is wrong. Right. And they're all just staring at him. They're all just waiting for him to get mm. cattled away. Mm. It was awful. I know. It hurts. Like, it hurts. Like, everybody forgot the twins after Lola was attacked, <laughs> it seemed. But <laughs> Rob, then I, Robbie comes back, and I'm like, oh, it's the twins. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and just that, that look he gives Cecilia where he's, like, he smiles a little bit, like, what's going on, guys? And then yeah. moments later, you see Bryony looking out the window and him mm. being taken mm. away. Um by the police it's just and you hear his mother Mm. that guttural like you liar you liars you liars 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 and i mean she's just like banging on the car and she knows her son didn't do this i mean she knows and i mean then we see we don't know what happens but we see briny see Cecilia like go up to Robbie Mm -hmm. and say something in his ear and you know her parents are like Cecilia get back here yeah and it's just this moment of just like I'm sure Cecilia was just broken like the person she loves is getting taken away carted away to prison and it's so sad there was so sad there was like some trivia I read so like when Bryony's looking out the glass the stained glass uh, window there is a saint in the corner and it's saint matilda yes and saint matilda yes. is a patron of falsely accused people and i was just like i hope that's on purpose because that is just brilliant i read that as well and that is like it's the such mm-hmm. a, attention to detail which of course i wouldn't know what that saint was no yeah but i did read i did read that and i do remember seeing that saint yeah in the mirror in the the window yeah um, my question Oof. is like, so do we think Bryony, like, why do we think she did what she did? Do we think that she did it out of pure jealousy um, because she does have these crush emotions for Robbie? Mm-hmm. Or do we think that it was her perception of Robbie being this like sex maniac, as she terms it, or maybe like a bit of both? Um, yeah. 
I'm trying to think back of how like the book represents it. Um, but I think, I truly think she was so swept up in her, the way she interpreted it mm-hmm. that she lied to herself. Yeah. And I think we kind of, get a glimpse of, of that remorse, like at the very end of the film. But I think she, I think she was trying to pin it on someone that it made sense to pin it on. Yeah. I don't know if, does that make sense? No. Yeah. Because she, I think she knew that it wasn't him, but she was too far gone in the lie to like change. Yeah. And I think, and and I think that's why she carries it with her for the rest of her life. I think she was just so caught up in the lie of what she thought she knew. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I think she might have been a little jealous. She she probably wanted, like, Robbie to feel that way about her instead of Cecilia. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think she did know, and I think she was just so caught up in it yeah. that she, she kept lying and... Yeah I, th- yeah, I think she knew, too, but it's, like, kind of one of those things where, like, if I keep telling myself this, then I'm going to believe it eventually, mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's, like, her repetitive being, like, I saw him, I saw him, and she's just trying to convince right. herself, even though deep down she knows that it was not Robbie at all. Um, there is an interesting article I read about how, like, right from the bat, we get the perspective that Bryony is very enthralled in storytelling and telling stories and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and like, there's a moment before events, like maybe right after the fountain scene where we see Bryony writing a story and there's like a voiceover of what her story is about. Um, and she's talking about a princess, which I'm guessing is about mm-hmm. her and Sir mm-hmm. Romulus, which I'm guessing is Robbie. And she goes into this whole thing about how, like, Sir Romulus is wicked. um, And, but it makes it no easier for her to, like, over, like, get over her love for him. And um, he appears very valiant, but deep down, he has this darkness lurking in him. So she was already, like, formulating this opinion. Fabricating this story. Yeah. And I think the end of it, she says, like, he was the most dangerous man in the world or something. She says that right as it ends. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I think she was just so caught up in her storytelling and like the web of lie was already threaded into her. So, and also, and I've never like thought about this until I'm, we're talking about it, but let's just say she did say that Paul did it. Mm. What would have, okay. Who would have believed her? Mm. Would anyone have believed her? And he would have denied it. Nothing would, like, nothing would have been done. Right. I mean, because he's got this stature, he's rich, he's the brother's friend. No way did he do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it probably would have gotten just disregarded. And I mean, maybe she wanted to have, like, vindication for her cousin. And she thought she was doing something that her cousin wanted her to do. Maybe that's an extra thread of it. Yeah, I definitely think there's something along the lines of like classism there because when it all yeah. happened, I was like, I mean, it seems strange that they are believing um, a child, a thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old girl, nonetheless, that they're gonna like mm-hmm. take her word for it when she's a girl, um, and that's just like the time period at the time. Um, yeah, but because it's Robbie and he does have that lower class status 
and she's higher in him in society, then I think it's more easy to believe that, yeah, they would believe her and choose to, you know, arrest him. Plus, I think in her mind, the the letter definitely, like, aided to what she's mm, saying. Yeah. That he's a... And I think it gave yeah. further proof that, well, here's why he did it, because mm. he's done this, and I saw right. him with Cecilia, and he... It's just, like, a fabrication completely, but... And who knows, I think like, it's, what Lola would have said if she had suggested Paul, like, Lola may not have even have come forward about what had happened previously, too. Yeah, mm. exactly. And we'll talk about later another part of that because of what happens at the end, which I think is... We'll talk about that at the end with Lola. So I think we should... Do you want to talk about the war or do you want to talk about her atonement first? I'm good with either. I think, I mean, I think if we just want to keep going in order, yeah. we could talk about. Yeah, that works the, for me. The war. I mean, there's not too much to cover there. Yeah. It is a big part of the film, but I think it's really sad that that actually happened that, because Robbie says that if he, he either could choose to stay in prison or something or mm -hmm. join the forces mm -hmm. and... That's why he even did it. And I'm sure I'm sure tons of men and women back then like had that option. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure like I we don't see what happened in prison, but I can only imagine like how awful that must have been for awful. him. And so mm -hmm. to have the opportunity to get out of prison and get out in the world, even though you're fighting in a war and have a High, high likelihood of dying. That's better yeah. than being in prison right. still. Um, plus, like, yeah. he never got to see Cecilia during his time in prison. Because I think she was like... In prison. If she, yeah. she was like, if they had let me come every day, I would. Um, I would have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the family kept her from him. Yes. Yeah, yeah they did. Um, we get like... Yeah, like, in the second half, we see that he's in northern France trying to get back to um, his I don't know, platoon or some somewhere to like try to get yeah. back um, and there's also like a time jump previously to that like six months before he had seen Cecilia for the first time mm -hmm. and it was so heartbreaking to like see these two together like this is presumably the first time they've seen each other since the library scene since. yeah and she tells him to come come back to her i know and uh, i think it, it may be at that moment that we see that that's what she said to him mm -hmm. the night he was taken away and that whole interaction is so fast and i remember the scene where he's like i need to get back and she's like or no she says i need to get back to the hospital and he's like uh, mm. like he's literally like choking on his tears because he's like, but you, you just got here. Like, please don't go. And, oh, it's just gut wrenching. Like that whole interaction is so sad. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the last, t well, till like later, that's one of the last times we see them yeah. together. Um, yeah. It goes back to him. I guess like, I like I didn't mind seeing the war stuff, but to me it felt like it dragged on just like a little too long, and I just wanted to get it did. back to seeing the dynamics, especially between Cecilia and Bryony after all of this happened. Um, so that might be like one maybe Dane I would give is like the 
the, the huge time jump four years later into a war, it's kind of like you have to reset yourself a little bit and like mm-hmm. get caught up um, a little bit about what has even happened because this like huge event um, is what we were left with back in 1935. And now we're seeing the repercussions of all of that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the scene at Dunkirk especially is extremely long. Um, but I do think until Dunkirk came out a couple years ago, I never really saw the battle or the Dunkirk, the beaches of Dunkirk in a film. And I think the only reason I enjoyed it was because I loved, I thought it was brilliant. Like the cinematography of carrying the camera all Mm. the way across the, the beach. And it's like, as they're walking from one side to the other, you're seeing like all these different aspects of like the pe- the soldiers and what they're doing and they're executing horses. They're oh my God. singing and they're, they're trying to like gather and they're drinking beer and it's just like extremely haunting and also extreme. It puts you, it puts you there, yeah. but I agree with you 100% that it, it was very long. Like, I think if we were to time that entire scene, it is it is probably a good seven minutes. Yeah. It's very long. Yeah. And I think it just, it draws you away a little bit from what the story is about. Yeah. And so I totally understand what you're saying. It, it takes it away from like where, what we're trying to accomplish with this film. But I do think it, I think they do Robbie's first before mm-hmm. we get thrown back into Bryony. And I think what a pro to it is that it shows us what, what, Robbie is having to live through while mm. Bryony is also living through it in her own way. And so I don't know. I, I, I do see both sides of it. I think it was too long, but I, yeah, I actually really do like the Dunkirk beach scene because that does definitely like, it's so cinematic, so cinematically done. Well, um, mm-hmm. it was like five minutes, like pan through of like, you mentioned this whole yeah. area on the beach when they started, shooting horses i was like i had to look away because i just yeah it's hard to watch that kind of stuff yeah just like and they're just killing them so the germans won't have because i was like just let them be free but then there's a risk of having the germans get them and i'm like oh god that's awful right um yeah like i looked into some background on how they shot this scene and it's really crazy how it even like came together um because they well they had to install a ferris wheel and a bandstand and the shipwreck they had to put all of that there yes and then they logistically only had two days to shoot this this scene um and in fact they only shot it for like a few hours on the second day because of how the lighting was um and so like that's why it's a single camera for the most part um because of the time limit but i think they did a great job with what they had i do too yeah Um, and i think that it's just beautiful just the way that they're all running through mm -hmm. and and it it, i don't know i just i love i've always loved that scene but i have always thought that it was very long but i didn't know that they only had a couple hours to film it yeah um i think like that scene I like. I think just them trying to get to Dunkirk took a little mm-hmm. long for me. But we're also like... I agree. It's intermingling with a lot of other things that we're seeing from the past and the present mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but I did like the Dunkirk beach scene. And I think that really like helps you 
understand Robbie's desperation and just like he just wants to get back he's like I made a promise Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to get back to her and like there's nowhere to go like he can't even leave um he can't yeah and not only that but we saw very early on that he's got this wound Mm. that is just like open and festered and yeah He's starting to, like, not act right. right. He's desperate. Like, they can't even find water. Mm. Like, they're they're desperate. I mean, it, and then he's hallucinating. Mm-hmm. They go into the city, and, like, he's hallucinating his mother. Um, yeah. It's just, it's pitiful. He, it's pitiful. Yeah, like, he's very clammy looking and mm-hmm. gray. Mm-hmm. Um, his friend, like, very does, gray. Like, gray. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, it kind of ends, like, they found this place to like kind of hunker down to and tonight it's like this basement cellar thing where a bunch of other soldiers are Mm -hmm. also taking refuge um and we we do see like robbie um getting worse and worse and i was like i don't think this is going to end well um before you know the end actually happens Mm -hmm. but he says something to his friend where he's like um, his friends like they're they're evacuating like they're gonna get us we're gonna leave in the morning and Robbie's like wake me up before seven you're not gonna hear another word from me I promise um, because he had been like talking right. in his sleep and that is the last words yeah 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 that's the last words yeah and he he goes to bed thinking of the house that he's gonna meet Cecilia in like on the mm-hmm. on the water, yeah. the beautiful house, and he's got like the pictures tucked mm-hmm. in his out in his, his outfit. Letters. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that it's gut wrenching. Was devastating. Um, and then we like so now we go to Bryony, back to Bryony, who yeah. is training to be a nurse at the same time in London in 1940, mm-hmm. and she goes by her last name, Nurse Talis. She says, like, there's no Bryony. Um, and I think yeah. it is such a – She's. it's also, like, a completely different actress, which I'm, like, like I have mixed feelings on, too, a little bit. But I kind of get it because um, when Saoirse Ronan is young Bryony, she has such an energy and a power to her. And then when it's um, – I forget who the – Ramola Garay or something. Ramola. Yeah. Um, she's – yeah. yeah, she's been in a lot of random stuff. When it's her, you can yeah. see that Bryony is really not even the same person that she was. So I think it makes sense that mm-hmm. it does like change um, actor actresses um, at this point in time. And Bryony is very much like trying to be a nurse to redeem herself. There's like a quote on a mm-hmm. wall um, from Florence Nightingale about being a nurse and being a nurse is being devoted and obedient. And so it's so different from the Bryony that we saw in the beginning. Um, yeah. Just like completely changed. Yeah. And she's, yeah, she's trying to like be a comfort mm-hmm. to these men. And I think there's a scene where she thinks that she sees Robbie too. Mm. And it's a part of, it's a part of maybe she feels like she's nursing Robbie Mm -hmm. like she's going to help save people in the way that Robbie may need to be saved and like yeah she's trying to redeem her character she's trying to you know you know change something that she has done in her past I think they did a great job of like making her look like Bryony you know they had the same same hair hair, same little dimple thing that she or the um 
freckle. I don't know what it's. But I I agree. I think, but also like that's a huge age jump, and so I think they did the best with what they could. I think those characters do do look alike pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the hair really is like the key indicator. Yeah, um, the, the telltale. Yeah, yeah. that it's Bryony and the fair skin mm-hmm. and and just yeah, yeah, yeah. She um and oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, also, she's still writing, too, yeah. which I think is important to note because of the ending. But she she talks, she, like, hides up in the cathedrals and, like, writes. And one of the stories she's trying to write is what we end up realizing at the end is atonement. But she's she's like... It's about a girl who sees what she thinks she sees, but it's but it's not that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an insight into how she felt back then. Like she thinks she understands, but she really doesn't. And she doesn't understand like the repercussions of what she's done. And yeah. and so it's important to note that she's writing still yes. at that time yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. like even though she is totally different, she does still have this passion for like writing and mm-hmm. um I think she's mm-hmm. really trying to work out her emotions as to what she did within her writing, um, which it's probably helpful for her. I don't know how helpful it's going to be for everybody else. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But she does. um, We also like here earlier on when we're back with Robbie um, that Celia says, Bryony wrote me and she's like fully like not fully, but she's coming to understand what she did. And we get a little bit more of a sense with that with Bryony when she's, um, we, we see more of like what was in her letter um, mm-hmm. where she's trying to be useful and practical. And there's also like these shots where like she's scrubbing her hands over and over and over again, like trying to yeah. cleanse herself. And she's just so like trying to redeem herself. I think that was a really great way of metaphorically like showing how she's feeling to kind of like, she's trying to strip away every, layer of herself basically yeah and mm-hmm. yeah and to your point too yeah. i do think she's she's a nurse to try to help these men the way she couldn't help robbie or even like potentially maybe she will see robbie again and be able to help mm-hmm. him when she couldn't mm-hmm. help him before um there's that really heartbreaking yeah. scene where she's trying to comfort a soldier who is yep. in his last like dying moments and he it was so interesting because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he knows her. But you realize mm-hmm. he's, he's thinking of somebody else and she's just going along with it, being a good nurse. Um, to comfort him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he unfortunately does die. Yeah. Yeah. And she she basically gives in and, and gives him the story that he wants. I mm-hmm. think she says, like, I love you or whatever. And yeah, he's got like half his brain coming oh out God, He's yeah hallucinating it was and then and then of course her her instructor person is mad at her for using her name and it in that moment I think you know I I sympathized with her a little bit and I she's trying to be like a comforting human and a, she's trying to be a good person and you're seeing other sides to her that you know, we didn't see at the beginning and I felt really bad for her in that respect. Yeah. And her like shouting her real name to him as he was in his last breath 
to me it feels like she's trying to find herself again and like reclaim her mm-hmm. name in a way um where yeah. maybe she like doesn't even want to be associated with who she once was but maybe through this process of her trying to atone for what she did she wants somebody to know her real name again um yeah but it's also like the whole nurse aspect of going by nurse talus um for formality's sake yeah. and not getting attached i think is like the reason why not getting attached yeah yeah, yeah. um so one of the surprises to me in the second half of the movie was when we see that Paul and Lola get married, um, which I, yeah, that's what I was going to also didn't say expect. earlier. Yeah. That, that was wild to me. And that's, that's how we learned that it really was Paul that, you know, abuse, sexually abused her. Mm-hmm. And in a part of me has always felt, and I wish that I could remember how the book made me feel, but it makes me feel like there's two things it could be. Either she feels pressured to live under his wing because Mm -hmm. he abused her. But a part of me really, really thinks that she like fell for him and that she enjoys him and that she wanted it all along. And I think that's partly what Bryony feels like when Mm -hmm. she sees that they're getting married and she goes, to their wedding and I think she feels like like completely betrayed because how could she want to be with the person who sexually assaulted her but I'm not so sure that it I don't know it's hard it's hard because she was so young Lola was so young at the time um but why why I don't know I don't know. I wish that I could remember the way the book plays it out but the way that I read the comparisons was that even in the book we don't you don't really get a sense for like what's going on with Lola in her head like the the big difference that's what I'm, I'm gathering yeah, yeah like the big differences in the book versus maybe the movie was that you get a lot more insight into people's heads obviously because it's a book I mm-hmm. think it's easier to do that um, and you get that with a lot of the characters but not maybe necessarily Lola and so yeah. it's really you don't know what her how she feels about anything that's happening. We even, we don't even really know what is going on between the two of them. Um, you know, like there's an implicate, I think it's said that in the book, it's a lot more clear that Paul assaulted Lola, but also potentially Lola knew it was Paul and covered up for him when the night happened and that she did know who did it. Um, versus in the movie, she acts like she doesn't know. And so it's a very complicated, um, dynamic I think between the two of them but also I'd read that in the book I think like later on when Bryony's older she had also shared that Paul and Lola were still happily married at that point like years and years and years mm-hmm. later I don't know how at the end of the book yeah yeah at yeah. the end yeah um mm-hmm. so yeah it's mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's complicated definitely it is, it's, it's hard because we won't know and all we can do is speculate, but I think that, that is such a very, very triggering moment for Brian. Yeah. I think that is very, very eye-opening for her. And to me, I thought wow. she, when they were like, speak up or forever hold your peace, I was like, this is going to be her moment. She's going <laughs> to say something in this church and she's yeah. going to ruin this wedding, but she didn't say anything she didn't and like as she looks and honestly at them, i think yeah like they're like walking out and as she like looks up they look away 
And Paul's the only uh-huh. one who like turns around and sees her again. But yeah, they just don't even want to like be associated with her. And I think honestly, like it is very in character for her not to speak up. Yeah. I think she, she's very submissive to those like at at her age, at her current age, not thirteen yeah. year old Bryony, but that age, Bryony. You know, she's very submissive and she's not going to speak up. Yeah, yeah. I think even oh, yeah. it. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, even in the scene that we get later with Robbie and Cecilia, mm-hmm. like she's, she's very submissive and she's, yeah. she, yeah. Yeah. I think like with this second half, when it's focusing on Bryony, I think I like this more because we get more insight into how this has affected her. Um, but it's still, mm-hmm. it's still like, I feel like we're just like missing a chunk. Like, obviously we're missing a chunk of time, but it's hard, I guess for me, because I don't feel like we see Bryony finally come to the realization that she did something wrong or like grapple with like going back and forth. Like, was I right? Was I wrong? It's just like, it starts with her being like, I've realized I've done something wrong. And maybe like, we don't have to see that because we as the audience know that she did something wrong, but I feel like. it would have been I think it would have just added more like layers to her as a character if we had seen her start to realize what she had done wrong yeah and I think if you're ready to go into the final act of the film I think the scene with Bryony Cecilia and Robbie where she says I'm sorry for what I did I know I know what it what I did and what it meant and then we learn at the end that she never got to say those words. Mm. So I don't think she actually, I don't think she truly actually knew the repercussions until very, very late in her life. Like I don't, oh, yeah. it may have even been at the wedding. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't think she truly understood until she's sitting on that train and, or maybe she never sat on that yeah. train because that's right after that conversation. But she, fabricates that story Mm -hmm. in the book because she that's what she wishes she could have said and I don't know when she actually like actually agree like realizes that she did it Mm -hmm. you know and maybe she never really owned up to that until she finished the book yeah and I think yeah you know that to me like because when you see it for the like first time, it does seem like a very real moment between the three of them, except for the part mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, Robbie's there. How did he get there? But then I was like, I guess he got home. So I just kind of accepted it. <laughs> um, and that whole like Same. confrontation between the three of them is so intense. It does feel like it actually happened because of how he reacts to her. And I mean, he mm-hmm. literally like wants to kill her uh, for what she oh, did. Absolutely. And, you know, but even then with, with how that confrontation ends, there's like not a lot of hope for Robbie still. Um, like they're like, no, because go ahead and change your statement, do all these things. But because Lola and Paul are married, Lola can't like testify against him. Right. And then they even try and pin it against the Danny Kitchen's son, Danny. And I can't remember the excuse, but they can't pin it on him. And so it's extremely frustrating for Robbie. And he's like banging his hands on the table. And he's just like, then I want you to go to your family and I want you to recant your story. And and 
it'll never change the outcome of his life. Mm -hmm. It'll never change. Yeah. And you also see Cecilia living in this poor Mm. manner. Yeah. And you see what it's done to her. She doesn't want anything to do with her family because they don't believe her and they don't, they don't, you know, support her decision to love Robbie. And right. it's just, it's just extremely sad. And, and then none of it happened. Then we learned, like it didn't even, then happen. we learned that none of it happened. It was, it was not even a thought. Well, I guess a thought in her head potentially. Cause like, but she never got the chance to go do all of she this. Never Robbie never came home because he died of septicema. Um, and his friend had just had to leave his body there, which was leave his so body. Sad. And then, so I knew, like, I was like, one of these people are going to die because I just, it's a horror story. It's very sad. So I'm like, okay, Robbie died. And then we also find out Cecilia also died in the Blitz. She died um, of a drowning in a tube station. And I, that was when I was like, oh, that, that was shocking. That was so shocking. And she's so upset. Like old, old Bryony mm-hmm. is like, I never got to, to tell my sister any of these things because I was, ne- I never saw Cecilia again. And it's, Ugh. God, it's just Bryony having to live with herself for the rest of her life. And I think, doesn't she say that she's finally able to finish the story because she's actually sick as well yeah she has vascular dementia and she talks about how she's gonna lose her words and her memory so that's what forced her to write the book yeah and she she wanted honestly that's the like best part of the whole thing and like when she's like i wanted to give them the happy ending Mm -hmm. that i denied of them and yeah first of all vanessa redgrave has five minutes in this film and she Took over my life. I mean, she was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the hell? I was just like, you're incredible. She, and then they even make her look. I mean, she looks just like the other two. It's just the hair. Perfect. I don't it's know. It's the same haircut. It's the haircut. <laughs> and it's the little, the little freckle yeah. or whatever she's like got a on mole her chin. or something. Mole, mole. Yeah, it's probably a mole. But I mean, it's like, it's utter perfection. And then, then you also realize where the, the name of the film comes from mm. like atonement I, it's just yeah i'll never forget it it the impact it's just yeah and then of them just frolicking on on the beach mm. laughing and loving and like yeah ugh, love lost is is the worst mm-hmm. it's it's the worst it in is. cinema it's the worst it's just heartbreaking like they never got to be together like they wanted to never and Bryony never got to to me i really uh, I don't know if she really ever got to fully atone for what she did or, like, be forgiven. I don't think she, like, expects to be forgiven. Um, But this is, like, her way of, like, trying to make it right as much as she possibly can, Mm -hmm. even though nothing's probably ever Mm going to make it right. Um, And, like, this, when I was watching it back the second time, to me, because we've talked about, like, the typewriter throughout the movie, that, to me, symbolizes, like, her typing the story throughout the entirety of like what Mm -hmm. we see um which i think is just another element that's really great once you realize what happens at the end obviously it's very sad um but Mm -hmm. yeah and um there's when back to like that article i'd read um from the vulture there 
there is a um the reveal of her having like written this story this way kind of to the writer in this article turned her a little bit into a god of like controlling the narrative in a way and yeah. like the yeah. in a way that she never got to really fully control when she was alive um, which I thought was an interesting take on it that's an interesting it is interesting take on it and yeah because I mean she gives them the ending that she thinks they deserve mm-hmm. and that they do deserve and yeah and also in in the book she's able to atone for her sins, which we don't know if she ever really was able to. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah. I like read some critic perception of the book um, in the, that same article. And I think critics were not very happy with how it ended because it's obviously a very not happy ending. Um, yeah. But they, they had ranked it as like one of the most disappointing endings of all time right next to Romeo and Juliet <laughs> and and the author um Mick Ewan said I'm touched right next to Shakespeare so he he <laughs> he had a good perception on it honestly though i mean they're not wrong it but it it okay how many films have we watched that don't have a happy yeah. ending i mean it it happens all the time but i think yeah, I think he wrote a story that was like I've never seen anything like I like this film, you yeah. know? And I've never it's just such a touching story, but it's also something that makes you reflect on like your own decisions in your life and your own choices and like the words that we say and the things that we do. It all has it all has meaning, it all has repercussions. Like we all have to atone for what we've done and I think like that's what's so powerful about it mm-hmm. it's like you we all have to be careful of what we say we all have to, to be careful of what we do and this is a story of someone who never thought what she did would ever end the way that it did yeah and it's just yeah it's just wonderful and I think it teaches it's sad it's it is very sad it teaches us to like to be accountable for our actions as well. Yeah. And like, you can't escape like your actions. Eventually they're going to come back and haunt you. And they definitely did for Bryony. And I am of the mindset, like not just because a movie doesn't have a happy ending or a book doesn't have a happy ending. Doesn't make me like it less. Um, Absolutely not. I think it just actually sticks with me more because it's so jarring mm-hmm. and shocking like I like I with the beginning of when we started talking I said I was distraught at the end like I was just like yeah. in shock and like trying to grapple with like what I had just seen and yeah it, it definitely left me emotionally scarred but I still <laughs> like this movie and I definitely yeah. kept thinking about it days after well and I think it's a film that you don't watch all yeah. the time it's not but it's something that to me, like, goes down in, in my history of, like, one of the most, like, beautifully shot films. Beautifully crafted sp- screenplay. I think the the score is incredible. Like, I think I think the score may have won Best Picture or Best I think score. it did. It did win an Oscar, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, I, it, 
it, this film is just so beautiful. And like you said, just we, I don't have to have a happy ending in every film that I watch. Yeah. I think that's also not reality. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think, and I think this film is like a very, very bleak, like example of like what probably did happen back in those times. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it is fiction though. At least we can be comforted in the yeah. fact that this is technically fiction. Um, yes. But I don't know. I think it, exactly what you said, like these people stay with you and this story stays with you. And I think about it often when it, when it comes, I have the DVD, but when it comes on streaming services, like I have to watch it because yeah. it's just so beautiful. And James McAvoy is like in his mm-hmm. prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously Saoirse Ronan, like look, look what she's become. Mm-hmm. I think it's just such a great, it's a great asset yeah. to Hollywood and the film industry. And I think it's just so wonderful. Yeah. Even but. Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> and Juno Temple, like a lot of yeah, people have come out of exactly. this. It's crazy. Alfie Allen, he plays Danny and he, he's oh, got like yeah. one word in that thing and then he ends up being in Game of Thrones. I thought that Insane. guy looked familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, everyone is just stacked. It's like yeah. a stacked it cast. Is. It's incredible. It really is. Yeah. Um, cool. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into our segments? <sighs> I think that's like, I think we hit, I think we did so many good parts of it. And we talked about everything we loved about it. Absolutely. And yeah. Um, okay. I'll start. So, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit already, but I just want to know how deflected Robbie put the wrong note in the envelope. It just seems like a real oversight for, for him. Uh, and could it could have avoided <laughs> a lot of problems. We Literally, like, Robbie, we may not even be here if you had just right. picked up the right yeah. letter. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I'm going back to my little... Um, I... So you just shared your moment. Um, I guess... I mean, that is such a big part of it. The, the note um or maybe just like why couldn't Bryony just ask questions instead uh, of yeah. interpreting interpreting things in her own mind yeah just asking a simple question communication mm-hmm. you know I mean why deflect um, does she have to lie in the first place like that also we could have avoided a lot exactly. of things there too why why did you have to lie yeah exactly um, absolutely this one to me i noticed it the first time and then i forgot about it and i when i watched it the second time i jotted this down but uh, why to flick is Bryony's typewriter so loud in that scene <laughs> when she's at the nurse's school and she's just like clack clack clacking i'm like people would definitely get woken up by that um more so than they're giggling now that you say it <laughs> Now that you say it, absolutely. I do not know. It's maybe she it's because she's in the cathedral thing. Oh, yeah. And maybe the sound is like reverberating off the walls. Yeah. Potentially. But that's a great question. But I think also like the typewriter is kind of like a hidden like asset factor mm. actor to this film. Like the the typewriter plays such a huge part. And the the whole film, like the score, the story. Yeah. I mean, 
So maybe that's why. Maybe they did it to mm. accentuate it in that respect, maybe. But that's a great question. <laughs> it's very loud. Um, it is very loud. Oh, there was something I was just thinking I was going to say in regards to the typewriter. and I for- Oh, just the fact of like back in the days that you had to carry a huge typewriter everywhere you went. And- unless you wanted to write in like pen and paper. But in order to type things out, like you had to lug this huge thing around with you. Yeah. Um, can't imagine. Like if you traveled anywhere mm-hmm. and you needed to, to use it. Yeah. What an inconvenience my, for them <laughs> and how heavy it was. <laughs> my family used to have a typewriter when I was little. It was like before we had a computer. And so I would type things on a, the type typewriter. Um, yeah, those were, the, it was very That's early, awesome. early 90s, like right before we got a computer. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was cool though. I've, I've just seen them at like libraries mm. and like old historical buildings yeah. and stuff. It's, it's I never really hard to make a mistake on a typewriter because then you have to like go in with the whiteout and like uh, mark it up. Oh and, gosh, like, go I'm sure yeah. it was it was uh, rough. We live in great times. Rough, uh, better times now. <laughs> we do. Typing. We're so lucky. <laughs> um, I just have one last deflick. It is something we have also mentioned but how deflect does Bryony just have the same haircut her entire <laughs> life like that i get why they did it to you know, show it's Bryony, but like i just feel like she sh- could have like gone we should have grown that out a little yeah. bit we should have we should have changed it up <laughs> i don't know but that's such a good question <sighs> i think probably to like give the correlation of the same character mm-hmm. yeah definitely and so that so that people wouldn't be yeah, people wouldn't be confused. Because I'm a very, like, I pay attention in films, but there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, some people may not even realize this is the same person. True. Um, and so maybe it, it was done in that regard to, like, keep everybody on track. But I agree. Why? Because yeah. it ain't a good look. <laughs> no. It is not a good look. It's not. Especially, it's barely a good look when she's thirteen. Oh yeah, it's all like, oh, you're cute, and then it's like, no. Have you uh, have you seen the Queen's Gambit? It reminded me of. Uh, I actually have never watched okay. the Queen's Gambit, and that's really sad. No, no, it, that I haven't. It's just uh, it reminds me of a haircut that somebody has in that movie, like very early on, and like even into her like young adult time. It's just very short and like, um, boxy. Boxy, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just like mm-hmm. a style back then. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Um, did you have any other deflects before we move no, on? No, I okay. think that covers okay. it. You definitely covered it. Awesome. So <laughs> next is dick of the flick. And so this is where we decide who is the dick of the flick, essentially. And I have two that are pretty clear to me. Um, and I'm grappling with who to give it to. I think I know. Um one is Bryony. I think she's on the list just because yeah. of what she did. Um, Absolutely. You know, def- I think Paul is yes. a contender. Paul is the other one uh, for what he did. Um, and so really it's like I'm grappling with those two. I also put as a joke, I don't really mean this, but like I put the little star hair piece that was on um <laughs> On, um, because that's how she found yeah, them in the it library. Was, like, glittering, <laughs> it was like, "Come here!" Yeah. And I'm like, "Damn it, star!" Anyway, we can call that the like prop of the oh prop 
mm-hmm. dig of the flag. I like it. The inanimate object. We'll give that award. Side of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, like, it's just like, frustrating. <sighs> That's hard because, because you can also say, like, had Paul not been there, this never would have happened either. Yeah. Um, you know, we still would have had Bryony, like, fabricating a lot of stories, but, like, had Paul not been there, this whole big lie would have never existed. Mm-hmm. And also just his behavior and his demeanor is very dickish. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But so is Bryony's. So, I mean, it's it's a tough choice. I think to me, like, when I first saw the trailer for this, it seemed pretty clear, like, what, had, what was going to be happening uh, in the movie. And so I was like, oh, I know who this is going to be. It's going to be the sister, Bryony. But then when I watched it, mm-hmm. I was... Like, especially in the second half of the movie, there's so much nuance to her character that makes me sympathize with her a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I, but at the same time, I'm like, is it enough for me to, like, completely um, remove her from what she did? Yeah, yeah. it's hard. Um, it is hard. I think, like, what I, the other thing to maybe help, too, is, like, I know we're talking about the movie, but with the book, from what I read, there's maybe, like, a little bit more sympathy for her, just because you get that internal, um, right. you know, monologue or struggle that she's going through, and she's very much trying to be this, like, champion of, wrong, of like, wrongs, like, justice and all of that, and so she's kind of also, the other thing, too, for me is that she is even though she's 13 and they have that confrontation of like, how old do you have to be to, you know, do the right or wrong thing? She is 13. She is younger. Um, and so like that aspect of it too, makes me want to hold her a little bit less, not accountable, but just like more like understanding, I guess. Yeah. Well, and exactly like she isn't a 20 year old making this decision. She is a, she is young and, and I don't think she necessarily, like, I don't think she realizes the gravity of her decisions. Mm-hmm. And whereas someone who is 20 would. And so, yeah. And, and yeah, in the book, she was ex- much more remorseful in that second phase mm. of life. And so it, it, she's not just a robot. She does have feelings and she, yeah. she knows that she did make a mistake. But yet Paul is living with the fact that he did all those things and also that he is actually the one who sexually assaulted mm-hmm. her and that he, someone else took the yeah. blame for That's it. That's why to me, so, I think he's the dick of the flick. I think we can award him with the dick yeah, Paul of the flick. He for sure does let Robbie take the fall. He doesn't care. He doesn't like do anything. Plus the way, like what he did to no. Lola and, yeah. everything um i feel like at least Bryony, even though it was horrible um is trying to make it right and paul's just living his life at a chocolate factory not he's just living shit. it yeah marrying the girl that he sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and sweeping his lie under the rug and maybe that's why he ended up marrying her mm-hmm. so that she could never yeah you know proclaim what he really did to her yeah agreed I'm yeah. going with giving it, giving it to Paul. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm all for Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool. So now we're at the last segment, which is how many flicks do we give? Um, so uh, as far as like how this movie was critically received, it was received very well. 
as we've already mentioned with like all of the awards that it was nominated for a ton of oscar awards it was nominated for best picture costume design um um Saoirse Ronan was the only actress to be mm-hmm. um, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So good on her. And it did win for Best Score, as mentioned. Um, it has yeah. a IMDb rating of 7.8 out of 10. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it is 83% from critics and 80% from audiences. So pretty um, similar between those two. Yeah. Uh, would you like to go first for your so routine? one out of five, right? Yeah. <laughs> Zero out of five. <laughs> Hated this movie. <laughs> um, well, I have to say that to me, this film is like is perfection to me. So I, I absolutely would give it a five because it it has everything I need in a film. It it made me cry. It's beautifully. It's it's cinema. Cinema. The cinematography. The score. Mm-hmm. The acting, the story, the plot. I mean, to me, this is like what perfection is in cinema. And so I absolutely like, I I give it a five. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I definitely liked this movie, especially like once I got to the end and like, I think just the gut punch of what I had watched really Mm -hmm. hung on me for a while. Um, and I think that lends to like the incredible acting that was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the twist especially really gets you and is not something I expected. Like I mentioned, I, I was like, Robbie's going to die or someone's going to die, but to have someone has, yeah, to. but to have both of them die. And then to also realize like the scene that we just watched never really happened was also just so, so much altogether. Um, I thought they did a really good job with it. And then I also liked how, as we mentioned, they played with the timeline a lot. And so I, and that's mm-hmm. something that I had read was in the book too, is like, you do get to see both sides yes, of, of, it their, is. of the um, characters, like in the fountain scene or the library scene, you get to Of how hear. they're portraying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely yeah. liked that. Um, I think like parts I've already mentioned of what I would have maybe liked to see more of would be, you know, Bryony in the beginning stages of realizing what she did um, or like, you know, maybe like the timeline and the war was a little bit too long in some instances, but those are pretty minor in comparison to the rest of the compliments I have for this movie. So I think I'm going to give it a solid four out of five. I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, I don't know if I'll, how much I'll watch this again just because it's devastating, but I definitely want to read the book. Um, so I think I'm going to, yeah, check you, it should. Out. you should, even though I know what happens. Yeah. And I, <laughs> well, no, I, I think even me, like I've been going back and reading like Harry Potter mm. books and stuff. And it is good to see a different take on it because it's, a, it is an adaptation of the book. Yeah. And, but yeah, I, it's, it's funny and it, it's interesting what everyone wants in a film and like what motivates us and like what makes us tick and everything. And, and I think also it's different because I, like I said, this film like shaped my love for film and my, my love for cinema and just Mm. every acting. And and so I think it's just very different. Like when I think about my top 10 favorite movies of all time, like this definitely almost, if it doesn't make the cut, it's very close and and just because it's just very impactful but yeah i i 
I agree with all the points that you're saying that makes you tick it off. And, and I do. Watching it back years later, I kind of, you know, maybe I'll like look at my phone a little bit yeah. during that scene because I already know. Um, but I agree with what you're saying. And yeah, that's what's so great about movies is we all interpret it differently and we see different things. Like I love hearing what other people think about films and they'll catch things that I didn't catch and and it's it's interesting yeah definitely and I think too like when especially like there are definitely movies I watched when I was younger where I'm like I know these movies may not be every for everybody but it's like my favorite like I love these movies yeah yeah and they are really good movies so it's um I think really great that we can all come away with like different appreciation and um interpretations of the movie too for sure. Awesome. That's what's it's very special about it. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jessica, for coming on today. I had so much fun talking about this movie, even though it's really sad, but I had a lot of fun time like dissecting it all um with you. And I kinda wanted to give you this chance to plug away at your awesome podcast. Oh yes. No, thank you so much for having me. Seriously. I think we I need to have you on for my show. Um, yeah, I get your binge on is just all about the bingeable things in your life. I recently started doing more films instead of just TV shows. Also documentaries. I really, I really want to do more of documentaries Mm. and, um, just being a mom and being a nurse, I often find myself binging TV, um, and spending a lot of time just swept away by a certain story. And so, yeah, you can catch me at get your binge on, on all the social medias, TikTok included, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to do the new Scream film <gasps> this week. So ah, very excited. Yeah, I Scream is my favorite horror franchise of all time. And the new one comes out this week. So nice. I think I'm going to release it this week. So yeah, I'm so glad I came on with you. And we're, we have a lot of very similar tastes. Yeah. So Definitely. I need to have you on for a show, maybe, since you do mostly movies, and so we can talk about a series. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to come on and talk about anything. Like, I I talk about movies, obviously, on, on my podcast, but I still watch a lot of TV shows, and I yeah. get really into binging, especially. Um, I'm, like, behind on so much, though. I need to, like, have, like, a afternoon in the weekend to, like, just get caught up on everything, but definitely love TV. Same. It's, it's wonderful, but it, I've been in a big movie kick lately. Mm. It's, it's crazy how you'll just yeah. like ebb and flow definitely. and change what you're into. Yeah. But yep. yeah. Awesome. Well, definitely everybody go check out Jessica's podcast, get your binge on. And I'm definitely going to tune in to the new uh, scream episode. Once it comes out, I'm very excited. I'm so excited um, to see it. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's like a really good segue into what our next flick um, and guests are going to be. So next episode, I'm going to be joined by Shay's scare lounge. Um, they are a horror oh, podcast, awesome. but we're I'm not going to be talking about, a horror movie necessarily although I guess it depends on your interpretation of horror um, but we are going to be talking about Rat Race um, Rat Race yes, it I've is never a, seen that what I I can't think of the na- like a genre of this movie but it's kind of like um, Airplane or just like that oh. comedic stacked cast ensemble it's early 2000 so 
I'm going to go into it with um, some skepticism because I'm wondering how <laughs> how this is going to uh, look in a, you know, 2023 lens. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm very excited awesome. to talk about that next episode with Shay's Scare Lounge. Um, well, I can't wait to listen. Thanks. And I can't wait to watch that movie because I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. It's, I mean, it's got cute, it just has a lot of actors. It's Cuba Gooding yeah, Jr. Yeah, I'm looking at the list right yeah. now. Lots of people. Lots, lots of people. Um, Amy Smart, Whoopi, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg. And there's a big wow. surprise cameo at the very end. So I'll leave that Uh I love cameos. Mm-hmm. I just love cameos. Same. Same. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, um, to leave you guys, listeners, to let you know that uh, if you're already listening to this, you know where to find us. We are at Why the Flick on social, on Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And then you can also find us on most major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, google podcast definitely give us um a rating and a review leave us five stars let us know what did you like about atonement did you get very shocked by the ending what do you think about bryony um those are all writing prompts you can use in your written review so definitely leave us a note there um thank you jessica again for coming on the podcast no thank you so much it was wonderful it was so much fun having you and would love to come on yours at some point um and also have you back on at some point too yeah i'd love to all right well thanks everybody for listening bye bye